This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. It's a rather special show today in that we have an interview with someone we've been seeking for many a year. That would be Dr. Dean Adele. 30 years ago, Dean Adele had pretty much given up on medicine, but did get interested in doing some radio wherein he would talk about medicine. Well, that's three decades ago, and he's now the second most popular radio personality in America. He's heard on hundreds of stations from coast to coast, and I must say, uh, based on a 30-year listening history myself, I almost never disagree with Dr. Dean, which in my book makes him a pretty smart guy. But really, he's been an inspiration to this program, and uh, when I attempted to, uh, to sign him up for the show and contacted his producer, I said that uh, I have been a conscious imitator in many ways of how Dr. Dean does his radio program, and, and after all, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Of course, as you well know, this is by no means a medical radio show. But in honor of today's guest, we're going to try and lean more heavily in that direction than we usually do. Dr. Adele's talk as part of the California Speaker Series on the 4th of November was quite the home run. But uh, not to worry if you were unable to attend. We've distilled uh, quite a bit of that essence, I think, for our interview, which is uh, in our second segment today. By all means, stay tuned for that. Let's begin our show as we normally do with... On this date in history, which in our case today is the 12th of February. On this date in 1793, the U.S. Congress passed America's first fugitive slave law, which required all states, including those that forbade slavery, to return escaped slaves to their original owners. As time went on and northern states abolished slavery, most relaxed enforcement of that law. And this disregard of the first fugitive slave law enraged southern states It led to the passage of a second fugitive slave law as part of the Compromise of 1850 between the North and South. On this date in 1924, American composer George Gershwin, age 26, debuted his revolutionary work, Rhapsody in Blue, which was written in such haste that he had to improvise much of the piano solo at its premiere in New York City. And on this date in 1999, after a five-week impeachment trial, the United States Senate acquitted President Clinton on charges of perjury and obstruction of justice related to his extramarital affair. Evidently, congressional Republicans felt that lying about an extramarital affair deserved impeachment. On the other hand, lying about weapons of mass destruction that need to go to war in Iraq was just fine. Thank you very much. And uh, by the way, day after tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Ignore your sweetie at your peril. Our quote of the day comes from an anonymous spokesman at Thai Inc., makers of Beanie Babies, who claimed that their recently issued brown-skinned Marvelous Malia and Sweet Sasha dolls have no connection to the two most famous pre- pre-adolescents in America. After an angry first lady claimed that it was inappropriate to use young private citizens for marketing purposes, Thai Incorporated quickly retired the dolls. And speaking of unconvincing spokesmen, our quote of the day comes from the Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Quinn Gang, who criticized the Guns N' Roses album Chinese Democracy, which reportedly was banned in China, 
and by saying, As far as I know, many people don't like this kind of music. It's too noisy and clamorous. And、uh, his, as a historical aside related to Guns N' Roses, Mental Floss magazine revealed that when the U.S. military invaded Panama in 1989, during which time the dictator Manuel Noriega hid in the Vatican embassy, it was reported widely that American troops surrounded the embassy and used loudspeakers to blast him with Guns N' Roses. They claimed it was because Noriega hated rock and roll, but officials later admitted they played the music more to keep the press from listening to negotiations than to torture Manuel Noriega. And based on what little Guns N' Roses I've heard, I do think that torture may be the operative verb. Our stat of the day more than 57 million Americans are apparently having trouble paying their medical bills. They owe an average of $2,000 to doctors and hospitals. And because of underpayment, half of all hospitals in the nation run at a loss. Our bonus stat from Consumer Reports reveals that many Americans are living dangerously. 48% do not have carbon monoxide detectors at home. 24% sometimes do not fasten their seatbelts. And 73% sometimes use cotton swabs to clean inside their ears. And as reported on this program, it is this correspondent's opinion that the ban on using anything inside your ears is silly. Our joke of the day comes from the current edition of The Humor Times. Which had the following to say about the Super Bowl. Headline Professional football crowns champion through elaborate system of postseason games. Dateline Tampa Bay. The NFL crowned the Pittsburgh Steelers 2009 champions by using a system of head to head competitions, pitting the league's most winning teams against one another in a single elimination tournament. The article notes that many remain critical of this system, which fails to allow a combination of polls and computer rankings to determine the teams most deserving of spots in the Super Bowl. They quoted sports pundit Jay Mariotti asking, Are you telling me that if we had a computer system, Arizona would have been in the championship game? By using a mathematical formula to decide the championship game's teams, game teams, you capture the very essence of competition and ensure a fair result. The article notes a system that allows a 9 7 Arizona team to play in the title game over teams with three and four more wins have, have given critics a stronger voice in an argument that has been raging since the playoffs were introduced more than 30 years ago. Allowing something as important as who plays for the championship to be left up to competitive skill and chance is ludicrous, said Tennessee coach Jeff Fisher. What the NFL needs is at least a partial computer aided system of determining who the best teams are. Yes, and if you don't see the humor in that, you've obviously never followed the farce that goes on every year as they crown a college football champion based on polling, computer rankings, and evidently whether the groundhog sees his shadow on February 2nd. Oh, and speaking of Groundhog Day, we, we couldn't resist this item. Apparently, after New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg <laughs> tried to drag a groundhog out of its hutch to predict the end of winter, it bit him. Evidently, a bandage Bloomberg later described the groundhog named Chuck as a terrorist rodent who could very well have been trained by Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. And on that note, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly.
According to the Week magazine, evidently it was a good week this week for public displays of affection after India's high court overturned an obscenity charge against a young married couple who'd been arrested for kissing in public. Indian police had reported the couple were, quote, sitting in an objectionable position and kissing each other, due to which passerbys were feeling bad. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for doing one's civic duty when it was revealed that a California man has been ordered not to tidy up the highway near his home. Evidently, Mario Mendez volunteered two months ago to collect litter along Route 54 near San Diego. However, as the state's Adopt a Highway program is currently under review, Mendez is still waiting for a permit and has been threatened with a citation if he picks up trash without one. Said Mendez, I can't believe no one wants free help. I don't need fame or fortune. I'm just embarrassed by my neighborhood. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for the 911 emergency call system when it was revealed that Alejandro Melendez, age 20, was arrested by police in Cleveland because he called 911, noting that he felt as though he was in danger, then asked the dispatcher to hold while he made a drug deal. Melendez called 911, reporting that two men with guns were watching him, said police. He then hung up, so the dispatcher called him back. Melendez answered and then asked the dispatcher to hold. The dispatcher could hear a voice asking, what do you need, a 10-pack? All right. Police say a 10-pack is slang for a bundle of heroin. Officers subsequently found Melendez at his location, at the location he had given, and said they found cocaine in his trousers. And we have this from the week's Only in America file. As winter continues, there's a growing movement in Massachusetts to crack down on the dangerous practice of sledding. In response to a growing number of sled-related injuries and deaths in recent years, some communities have banned sledding outright. Others have erected warning signs. Noted a Massachusetts state, state senator who's introduced a bill requiring children to wear helmets while sledding, there are no brakes on a sled. And I want to put a plug in for the emergency medicine conference currently going on up in, uh, in Tahoe, put on by UC Davis. I did not attend this year, but in the past have seen an excellent orthopedic uh, lecture done by Drs. Green and Bray, in which one of the more dramatic slides was the result of a sledding injury. The doctors inevitably point out that getting on board an object which you cannot control the speed of is not necessarily a very good idea. And we have to concur. Stick to skiing and snowboarding. And for our listeners in Russia, and we know we have a few, we have the following. Passengers rose up in revolt last week to prevent their Aeroflot flight from taking off after their seemingly drunk pilot greeted them with slurred words and bloodshot eyes. Reportedly, flight attendants first told the 300 alarmed passengers on the flight from Moscow to New York to stop making trouble. Then they called in an Aeroflot representative to board the plane. At first, officials declined to remove the pilot, but at the insistence of passenger Ksenia Sobak, a well-known Russian TV personality and socialite, Aeroflot relented and provided a new flight crew. Here's the part I like best. Aeroflot insists the pilot was not intoxicated and that the passengers may have experienced a, quote, mass psychosis, unquote. For their part, passengers say they know what they saw. 
The Moscow Times quoted passenger Katya Kushner saying, I don't think there's anyone in Russia who doesn't know what a drunk person looks like. All right, uh, from our mailbag, we want to report that our interview with Tom Bleese on last week's program did generate some interest and controversy. One of our uh, uh, semi-regular contributors notes that uh, in his younger days, he was an anti-nuclear activist. And while he has some skepticism about some of the claims made, uh, he trusts our integrity enough to say he wants to do more research. And, And you can bet we'll return to that topic in the months to come. And during that course of the interview, we mentioned something which there's some interesting follow-up on, according to New Scientist magazine. This giant cloud of brown haze that hangs over southern Asia during the winter, well, that cloud's been analyzed, and uh, the scientists have determined that it is largely the result of burning biomass for cooking and heating. A Swedish researcher analyzed the amount of carbon-14 in the soot particles and determined that they were not from fossil fuels. The uh, high levels of carbon-14 pretty much prove that uh, the soot in this giant cloud comes from biomass, either wood stoves or the burning of animal dung, which is a very widespread practice in India and the rest of Asia. Noted Orjan Gustafsson of Stockholm University in Sweden, uh, solar-powered stoves would reduce this brown haze. And uh, regrettably, the story we've been meaning to do on solar cookers has been delayed, but the slack has been taken up by the Sacramento News and Review article last week by Emily Scott. The effort titled Solar Cookers International originates here in Sacramento, and at some point we're going to bring on Kevin Porter, Director of Education Resources at Solar Cookers International, to talk about this. And at some point, when the weather gets a bit better, we're going to go out and do some cooking ourselves. Stay tuned. And speaking of food, we quoted uh, former Radio Parallax guest Michael Pollan uh, some weeks back, commenting that one thing you could do to improve your diet was to simply avoid high fructose corn syrup. Not necessarily because the syrup has been shown to be harmful, although there are some who think it, uh, it may be, but simply because home cooks do not use it. If you're eating high fructose corn syrup, it was pretty much the product of an industrial food process. And yes, we're still going to do some follow-up on the research done at the University of California, Davis, related to this. We were intrigued to learn uh, last June that uh, research at UCD was showing that uh, the diets with a lot of uh, fructose in them uh, put on weight in an unusual pattern. It gave people a more the pot belly type uh, fat deposition, which has been linked to an increased risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease, something anyone who listens to Dean Adele should be well aware of. But there's an additional reason why a diet in high-fructose corn syrup should give you pause. EPA scientists have now detected mercury in samples of high-fructose corn syrup. The source of the metal appears to be the caustic soda and hydrochloric acid which manufacturers of corn syrup use to convert corn kernels into the food additive. Some plants across the country still make soda and acid by mixing a briny solution in electrified vats of mercury. Some of the metal does end up in the final product. This was somewhat preliminary researchers, but the researchers noted that while their study was limited to only 20 samples analyzed, mercury had been detected in nine. Now, the mercury in this case apparently is elemental mercury, the kind you have in your thermometer, not the organic kind, which makes it less toxic. But uh, there is no established safe dose for elemental mercury. 
And that's another one we're going to follow up on. You can, you, can, you can bet that. And we need to talk about this crazy story from Los Angeles about the woman who gave birth to octuplets, these being children 7 through 14, having already had six children through IVF. There are some definite medical ethical debates over this story. I love this understated comment. Um, Others have worried that she would be overwhelmed trying to raise so many children and would end up relying on public support. Gee, do you think? No husband, no job, 14 children, you might need some public support? And, And by the way, when it comes to public support, the delivery of eight children required 46 physicians and staff at a cost estimated to be at least $300,000. This from a woman who got $168,000 in disability payments after she supposedly injured her back in a riot at a psychiatric hospital where she was employed. And reportedly the medical board is looking into the doctor that did this in vitro fertilization. And I'd say, high time. But here's the, perhaps the most startling medical story I've read in quite a while. I think I'm just going to quote directly from The Economist magazine. The head of police in Tanzania's capital, Dar es Salaam, this week handed out free mobile phones to several hundred locals with albinism. Albinos are to text in their location if they suspect they're being attacked by gangsters determined to kill them and harvest their body parts. According to the Tanzania Albino Society, at least 35 albinos were murdered in Tanzania last year to supply witch doctors with limbs, organs, and hair for their potions. This is such a problem that the government has acted to appoint an albino woman as a member of parliament to champion the interests of some 200,000 albinos in the country. Said the magazine, efforts to convict albino killers have been thwarted by a rotten judicial system with witch doctors using bribery or threats of spells to escape trial. Investigators say the body parts of a single murdered albino sell for over $1,000. Artisanal miners in the gold and diamond fields south of Lake Victoria are the main buyers. Some sprinkle albino powder on the walls of their narrow pits, hoping for glitter. Uneducated and desperate to strike riches, they're taken in by witch doctor stories of the wealth-giving properties of their potions. And folks, it's hard to know how to comment on a story that bizarre. So we'll just report it and let you ponder its craziness. And close this segment with uh, an input from our old pal, America's foremost comic, Will Durst. Well, thanks, Doug. And today I'm here to tell you that I'm not surprised at all that those banks went belly up. The guys that get running those things have the same sense that God gave an Easter basket full of green plastic grass. Crazier than naked flagpole climbers in a blizzard. First, a little thing called unregulated greed sucks them flatter than a freeway rat. Then, they immediately start crying that we gotta bail them out or all hell is gonna break loose. And like the suckers we are, we fell for it and pulled muscles in our backs, hurrying to give them pallets full of cash before our retirement accounts are retired for good. 
So what do they do with all this bailout money? Help out homeowners by fixing the subprime mess they created? Take CPR classes? Adopt orphan puppies? What are you, nuts? They spent it on themselves. AIG arranged a little spa retreat at the Ritz-Carlton. Citigroup wanted to buy a $50 million corporate jet. And Wells Fargo planned a staff retreat in Vegas to recognize team members by emphasizing their value to the company. Recognize their value to the company? The company's broke! You can recognize that value with a shovel, a six-foot hole, and a pointy stick. And on Wall Street, despite the worst year since Hoover, they handed out $18 billion in bonuses to the very same idiots who put us here in the first place. This is reverse bank robbery. I'm surprised they're not wearing masks. You know, and I, th I think those security cameras are pointing the wrong way. So now, every time I make a deposit, I ask the teller for two pieces of identification. Oh yeah? What's your mother's maiden name? For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Will Durst, a legend of comedy from San Francisco. And after a short break, we'll come back and talk to another San Francisco legend, Dr. Dean Adele. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Don't go away. Don't go away. 